ain't working That's the way you do it Money for nothing and your chicks for free Welcome back to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920. In this segment, we've got our favorite special guest, our expert advisor, John Birchfield with Capital City Home Loans. We're going to discuss interest rates. What's going on in the current environment and what should you expect interest rates to do over the next year? Also, there are some very interesting upcoming changes and appraisal rules that I think could be bad for home buyers. We'll talk about that with John. And what are the most common pitfalls when applying for a mortgage. Remember, we want to communicate with you. Go to gogaddisradio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S radio.com. You can ask questions. You can make comments. You can push back, share ideas, request your neighborhood be featured in our neighborhood spotlight, and you can subscribe to our podcast, which we would love for you to do. Without further ado, let's welcome John Birchfield. John, welcome in today. Hey, thanks for having me, Cleve. You are you. You know what? You have probably been my most regular uh, expert uh, guest contributor over the years, and we haven't had you on as often as we should have lately. So we're going to get back to that because I always like the stuff you bring to the table. Let's just jump right into current interest rate environment. Why are interest rates staying so low, and what on earth is going to happen to them uh, as we move into 2022 and beyond? Oh boy, rates, rates, rates. That's what everyone's talking about, right? Well, when they're they lower, when they're lower than inflation, you I mean it, 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 it's like free money. That's right. It's absolutely free money, and that's what's uh, that's what's driving things. And the reason they're low, to answer your question, is because the Federal Reserve is is in essence printing money to buy the securities that base uh, that are what mortgages are based on. So they've supplied they've they've provided this huge demand for mortgages mm-hmm. and uh, that's made the uh, the price very very low and so in doing so we've um, we've been able to close a lot of deals so what an interesting concept so the federal government is stimulating the economy by buying mortgage-backed securities when they buy back mortgage-backed securities they buy them back at a yield at an mm-hmm. interest rate that is lower than the natural market would probably do. So let's just if we and this is this is fascinating stuff. And for those of you who are listening who are bored, <laughs> I apologize <laughs> for that. Just stick with us because we're going to help you understand something. But if the government artificially pushes down the yield on let's just call it mortgage-backed securities or even you know treasury bonds, which the U.S. Yeah. government can buy its own bonds, then right. what happens is investors from around the world have to accept that same lower return and that keeps mortgage interest rates low. That's right. And so what is it that you think makes the government still today want to continue to stimulate the economy? What do you think, what do we think is causing it? Well, the big there's, I think there's two factors in play, but the biggest one is, is that they still don't feel like there's this full employment. They feel like there's an underemployment out there, so people may have jobs, but they may not be earning the type of wages that they uh, that they 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 think they should be making. Mm-hmm. So they need to stimulate the economy to support this wage growth that they want to go on. I think this is going to be covered later in the radio show, but I think there was like an additional two hundred and fifty thousand or two hundred thousand or some some big number in terms of jobs added to the economy. But John, everywhere I go, especially in the service industry, you know, whether it's wait staff or people working at a nursery or people working at a nursing home, they can't find enough people to work. And I don't get it because I know the people are there. I mean yeah. I, I know we don't have any less people now than we did, really significantly than when the pandemic started. That's the big mystery yeah. is there seems to be a disconnect between what we're seeing eyes and ears on the street 
on Main Street and what we're hearing from Washington and from and from and from the New York Stock Exchange, not a lot's adding up, and that's creating some fear and anxiety as to what may unfold over the next 18 to 24 months when it comes to these um, rates and inflation and all the things that we hear talk about. Mm-hmm. So if I, and, and you might not even know this number today, so it might be unfair for me to ask, but I'm going to do it anyway. What yep. is the average, the historic average interest rate on a 30-year mortgage? Oh, I don't know the exact number, but I'm going to go with, um, let's go with 6.9. Perfect. And and the reality is, let's just agree that it's somewhere around 6%. Let's just, I I don't, I don't know what it is because I haven't seen numbers and I haven't seen the effect of the interest rates being so low, but, but if you have interest rates and somebody can lock a 30 year mortgage in at 3% or less, I mean, like they are saving half half of the the interest payments that they would make if the interest were 6%. My first home loan was in 1992. I wasn't exactly sure why a lender would trust me to give me. It was one hundred and ten dollars or $15,000 at the time. I, w- I figured if they knew me better, they, would- they wouldn't have loaned me money in the first place. Yeah. But it was 8.875%. 8.875%. And I was glad to have it. I was totally yeah. glad to have it. So what-, what needs to happen in the world for interest rates to rise? Well, the, the Federal Reserve will have to stop manipulating the markets by buying these types of securities. And they stated that they intend to do so uh, as early as the next 60 days. They'll start that what they call tapering, mm-hmm. where they will slowly scale back Their the purchases. amount of securities that they buy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. The, the, Go ahead, John. The, the deciding factor will be, like you talked about, all the other world's investors. Do they come in and take their spot? And if they do, then that's going to continue to keep rates low. But if there's not the same amount of demand for those securities, then we'll see rates tick up. But if investors from around the world decide that they want to accept a lower rate, that's a market-driven interest rate, which in my opinion is healthy. It's just not a healthy when the government intervenes. You said something, John, on a show uh, six months ago, a year ago, whenever it was. You said that stability in the world— promotes interest rates rising. Instability in the world promotes interest rates going down. And so I think what you're trying to say is as the U.S. feels like things are, 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 are doing better or more stable, then the world probably will start to feel like things are more stable, which means the yield on those mortgage backed securities, the requirement is just simply going to go up. I saw an advertisement earlier today, John, uh, with a company from a company who offers what they call CD rates that are 10 times higher than the national average. Well, this one for a CD, a certificate of deposit for one year, the rate that was 10 times higher than the national average was half a percent. <laughs> so 10 times higher. We're, we're just in a crazy. You mean 10 interest- times to nothing is nothing? Exactly right. That's exactly what they're saying. Okay. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920 The Answer. I'm Cleve Gaddis. I'm joined in the studio by John Birchfield of Capital City Home Loans. John, give a phone number if somebody wants to reach you, please. Uh, 678-226-7887 reaches my team directly. Perfect. Love it. Okay, next thing. I have seen many articles and many discussions published that say that the government, and I'm not even sure who's doing this. I would assume it is the entity that that supervises uh, Fannie and Freddie that's actually talking about this. I don't really have any idea. Uh, But they're saying that they want to change the appraisal rules. And I can't imagine buying a home myself here in Metro Atlanta. And if you're listening, put yourself in my shoes. Put yourself in these shoes for a second. You buy a home. 
you get an appraisal that shows it's worth 500000 but the reality is, is that the interior condition of the home doesn't support a $500,000 appraisal. Maybe it would support a four forty dollars or a four fifty. Well, the government, in all of its wisdom, is saying, hey, maybe we don't need to require appraisers to go inside of homes. Now, you said when I mentioned this a couple of days ago that that's not a done deal, but let's talk about that for a little bit. I can't imagine buying a home and then realizing, oh, my God, I paid $60,000 too much because the government says I don't need an appraiser to come in my house. I would agree with you a thousand percent. I think the government, these entities that are making these decisions are saying that the analytics are smart enough just looking at the comparable sales and looking at the online data that's available for somebody just to sit behind a desk and say what the value of the home is. But as you know, because you and your team get the opportunity to actually go inside these homes, is you can have two homes in the same neighborhood, exactly the same square footage, the same floor plan. But one of them could be an absolute fabulous home and the other could have been torn to pieces by the previous homeowners or not have had all the bells and whistles. Exactly. So one of them could look like 2021 and be worth 700000 and another one could look just like 1998 and maybe it'd be lucky to be worth 600000 And right. so and I really... That, I think the investor community and the mortgage lending community is going to comprehend that on a, on a, on a different level than yep. even like Washington may. And you may see some pushback from our industry mm. to say, hey, that may not be the easiest corner to cut out of the mortgage processing. There's a lot of things we can do to make it easier to get a mortgage. Maybe the appraisal is not the easiest or, or, or the first thing we should go to. Well, and I've ha heard people saying they're having a hard time getting enough people to come into the appraisal industry. And it's because of all the changes we made during the recession. The poor appraisers making money. <laughs> I don't even understand how they do it. They don't make any money uh, without doing four or five a day. They don't really make money. Okay, let's jump right. to the last subject. Thank you for that. Most common pitfalls when applying for a mortgage. And I'd like to give the first guess, <laughs> and that is sourcing your funds. Oh, my gosh. How are you so good at this? You must have been doing this a while. <laughs> well, I've guessed it actually three or four times when I've asked you the same question on shows yeah. over the years. So I'm cheating just a little bit. But give us the most common pitfalls. we got about a minute and 40 seconds in the segment. That's it, without a doubt. I jotted down a few. But the large deposits that are in your bank statement with the inability to document it, you know, we're, we're living in an environment, believe it or not, where a lot of folks like to keep a lot of cash at home. Mm -hmm. and, and then they say, okay, well, let's go buy a house. And they might take that big lump sum of cash and say, here it is. Well, that doesn't work. Yep. Uh, you can't use cash to buy a home. The money has to be on deposit with an institution, and we have to be able to tell where that money came from. But it has to be on deposit for 60 days. So if you put it in the That's bank right. now, and then six months from now, you started to buy a home, nobody's asking any questions. Am I right yep. or wrong? That's right. Yeah. And that's why we as mortgage lenders want to talk to potential buyers as early in the process as possible. Don't wait until the very last minute when you want to buy a home. Reach out to us early on, and we can guide you through those those challenges and potential pitfalls. I love that. And, you know, one of the things I'd like to mention is that a lot of times people are hesitant to really commit to one lender. And I say go ahead and commit to one lender. doesn't mean you can't shop around later yeah. in the process, but then if you find right. something better, just go back to that original lender and say, hey, you know, ABC Mortgage will do it for a little bit less. What's going on? Yep. You okay. Second pitfall I yep. wrote down, uh, having credit inquiries during the loan process. Oh. We continue to monitor the credit. Uh, it, you may not have opened up a new debt, but if you ran through Macy's and they were going to give you 10% off if you open up an account, mm -hmm. don't do it. Absolutely. <laughs> Pay the 10% extra. I love it. Hey, John, listen, we are totally out of time. Will you come back in the next few weeks? 
I'm we've got two things have... people need to worry about. Next segment, we've got market predictions for Clayton and Fayette County, current evolution of forbearance. What's happening with the loans where people are not making payments due to the pandemic? And do you need to have a survey when you buy a home, or is this something you can skip? We'll have those discussion points and more. Stick with us. We'll be back.